heaven? No. It's Iowa. What's your name? Lane. Full name? Lane L. Lane. Is that three L's? No, just one. It's L-A-I-N-E-L-L-A-I-N-E. That is three L's. Yeah, but not together. And what do you do for a living, Mr. Lane? I'm a shepherd. Why are you doing this, Mr. Lane? I like podcasters. I like to hear their declarative statements on movies. I like you. Crew gentlemen, hold the microphone. Sure sounds like we're about to talk Fletch on the Pod of Dreams. Oh, for God, Don, Don. What is this man saying? What is this man doing? What in the hell's the matter with you? What is this man's name? My name is Igor Stravinsky. Hi there, I'm uh, Harry S. Truman. I'm uh, Don Corleone. They call him Fletch. Fletch! Fletch! Fletch, F. Fletch. He's good at defending himself. Better tie your shoelaces. Disguising himself. (laughs) And getting himself into trouble. Well, it be Fletch. Go ahead. Make my day. He's a reporter. There are no tags on these mattresses. Who's about to write the story of a lifetime. Will you kill me? Sure. If he lives. Thanks a lot! There isn't a woman he can't charm. Can I borrow your towel for a sec? My car just hit a water buffalo. A question he won't ask. You and your wife are currently alive, I take it. Drop your shorts and bend over, Mr. Babar. A risk he won't take. Probably feel 100% Moon River. To get to the truth. It looks like you two have a lot to talk over. We'll just catch the last 10 minutes of Dynasty. Universal Pictures presents Chevy Chase. As Fletch. My hero. Welcome to it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pod of Dreams. I am Ben. I'm here with Eric, as per usual, but we also have a very, very special guest, Damon Fudge, who's got a couple of of fun jobs. One of them is doing movie reviews for KCCI.com, and he also is a, is it news director? What's the Uh, official? Yeah, newscast director. Newscast director. So he's... He's the guy that's telling when to cut and when to go to the stories and doing all that really fun stuff. And hopefully we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, Damon, do you want to say hi and introduce yourself a little bit? Give us some Hello. of your background here. Hello. Yeah, no. Uh, hi, I'm Damon Fudge. Yeah, um, I've been in television yeah. news um, for uh, going on 25 years now. Um, I started uh, at uh, actually at WHO um, back in 97. And... Um, uh, and then uh, transferred over to uh, Channel 8. Um, and, uh, you know, I've done various, I've been doing the various positions over there. I mean, camera operator, prompter operator, uh, graphics operator, and then finally got to be trained as a, as a newscast director um, about 10 years ago. And I've uh, been doing that uh, ever since. I started on the morning shifts, which is a really tough shift. <laughs> when you wake up every morning at 2 o'clock in the morning, you're like, why am I up? and yeah yeah no it's it the morning shift is a rough shift but uh but now but now thankfully for the last about six seven years i've been on um nights so this bed that's that's good uh yeah and and that basically entails yeah i'm the guy that tells everybody what to do which is nice i like doing that 
<laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, you tell uh, I, I basically there's there's a, uh, a job called producer. They they're ones that pr- put all the stories together in order and put together the scripts, and then I have to basically interpret everything that they have in a script so that the other positions understand it. The technical director, this is the person that uh, punches the buttons that puts everything on the air. The audio operator, self-explanatory, and the camera operators too. Uh, so everybody knows um, hopefully what they're doing during a show, and I'm the one that calls all that action during uh, during a broadcast. And it's uh, totally live, uh, you know. Everything's happening. Well, I mean, you know, of course, the video's recorded. Sure, sure. <laughs> but no, it's totally yeah. Everything's totally live. It's um yeah. It's yeah. You you make a mistake, you move on. Um and it, it's uh, uh yeah. It, it's it's a it's a harrowing job at times. Um. Like especially when you've got major breaking news, like all the bad weather we've had over the few last few weeks here. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, but it's 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 a lot of fun in a lot of ways. Some ways it's it's stressful, but that's you know part of being a live broadcast. So, what is the training process for a newscast director? Like you said, about a decade ago you started training. What? Wasn't hell. You go with somebody who's been doing it, and they just tell you why they're making the decisions and what all you need to know. What What is that like? Yeah, basically, you yeah you um uh you have to uh, uh you you sit down and uh, one of the first steps you do is you go through script and say, you know, you know this is everything that you're looking for and like you know this th- this is what this note means this is what this particular thing means and this is how you notate it in a in a rundown and then you gradually put the person they have to, they they usually you sit with uh with them uh for a little bit watch what they're doing listen to how they're talking because there's very very specific way you speak and the very specific way you give commands and then then you you know gradually introduce them that you put them in the seat for something real easy like recording a 10 second tease or something like that and then you graduate them to say a live uh update like what we do we do a 30 second one around four o'clock every day so you graduate them slowly into the process let them do uh like the sports block on a show and then let them do the block before that during for a show. And then finally okay. get them to the first block, which is the, the main news block. And that's really the heady block. That's where the, the big content comes in and the, you know, the, and a lot of the changes and a lot of the, a lot of the details. And it's a lot, uh, that first block is the most difficult of a show. So, yeah, it's, and I, I've been the one that's been in kind of in charge of training everybody uh, for quite a while too. So, okay. Yeah. So you, you really, you got both sides of it. Mm-hmm. I got to confess about everything I know about broadcasting the news is from the movie broadcast, broadcast news. news. <laughs> and I don't know, is that how accurate? I mean, it's different levels of scale, obviously, but is it, how close is that? If somebody's thinking, Hey, the broadcast did, did James Brooks get broadcast news, right? How close yeah. is it? No, it's actually, um, uh, it's very, uh, it's very accurate. Um, well, let me, my, you know, my, I love watching that movie today because I think to myself, how the hell did they get a newscast on using typewriters? Um, oh, sure. You know, it's like no computers. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. And, and, you know, it just, it just, it just boggles, uh, boggles my mind uh, that they could actually, you know, do, uh, do a newscast uh, without modern technology. Uh, but they were much more simplistic broadcasts too, of course. But uh, but yeah, no, he got he got it very uh, very accurate. Even the even the great scene with uh, with um, uh, Joan Cusack running through the building oh, right. to try and get 
VO2. Uh, we don't have, you know, <laughs> our building isn't that big and we don't have that far to go. Um, you know, if, you know, if, went back when we had tape, uh, you know, it's, just, it, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't that far to, to run. I mean, you still had a little bit of a distance between the newsroom and the engineering department where they would put the tapes, uh, where they would play the tapes from. But it, yeah, it wasn't that like long distance thing, but, but uh, it was, we need this tape, go, go, go. And yeah, somebody's yeah, oh, yeah, you can have, at least. Yeah. You can have a story that you were the, the, uh, because of circumstances out in the field, the reporter didn't get back. Um, uh, and they're cutting it the last second and they, and, and they, and they really need to, you know, like really get it into the, uh, it, uh, into engineering to play it back. But, you know, those were kind of rare instances, uh, back in the, back in the tape days. Now everything's all digital. Right. It's, it's almost, it's, it, it still takes a little bit of time, but it's, it's, it's kind of an instant upload. So yeah, you definitely avoid those things, but yeah, it's, it, you know, like I said, it's very, very accurate. Um, I remember watching years ago, uh, ESPN did a night where they showed the behind the scenes, they broadcast sports center on, I think ESPN two and on ESPN, they were, they had like a zoom meeting kind of to, to uh, a bunch of boxes showing you all the different little areas of things going on. And they did literally have, an editor, it was a, it was exactly like the scene. There was an editor that finished the tape and they handed it off to a guy and that guy started running and he had to like go up some stairs and go down another hallway. And they had one of their reporters and a cameraman following him the whole way. And halfway through the trip, the, uh, the reporter actually face planted. Oh my. <laughs> and, and he just, lo- he just kind of rolled over and just told the camera, he was like, wait, motion the camera guy, keep going, follow him. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, you've got a big corporation type, you know, like national news and everything. They've got probably different floors and different levels. Like I oh, said, sure. okay. everything digital now, it's just, you know, punch a button and, and um, uh, actually, yeah, because I think, I think uh, if I remember correctly, uh, the last, from the last time I edited, it was, I think it's like the F4 key. <laughs> is what okay. is what you use to get it to upload it into our system so uh so yeah that's uh but yeah that's that's um tv news there in a nutshell that's, um it's a lot of fun it gets sure. in your blood it does it definitely gets in your blood i'd like, imagine when you see the red light go on that when it goes live there's got to be some sort of adrenaline pumping when you when you a little bit, yeah a little bit um especially if um uh I had a I had a situation just last week where um, uh, it was taking um, uh, a longer time than normal to get everything uh, for me to fill out the rundown and get the, get my notes all settled and everything. And I didn't get into the into the newsroom or, or into the control room until about uh, seven minutes before showtime, uh, which is very late. You know, you, you want to be in there between a half hour and 20 minutes. So you've got the time to sit down and look at things and, and answer, answer people's questions. Cause uh, mm-hmm. you know, audio may have a question about something or the technical director almost always has a question about some sort of a graphic or something else. So, uh, yeah, you want to have that prep time and, you know, I didn't have the prep time. So I was kind of, you know, really kind of going into the show a little blind or blinder than normal. So, <laughs> so yeah, so it was a little bit, so it was a little bit of a tense uh, first block where, you know, everything, I was, I was just kind of like, Hey, we need to, we need to get moving here guys. And, and then we had some people that were out of place and it's just like, come on, let's get this. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a stressful show. <laughs> this was just and, a week ago. Okay. Yeah. About a week ago. Yeah. 
So it was, yeah, it, it was, it, it, you get those and yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's where the heart, uh, starts racing and, um, and you, uh, you, 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 you risk, uh, uh, um, blurting out cuss words. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, this is all live. Anything's going to go out. They can't edit anything. Yeah. It's not a recorded podcast. Um, this whole time <laughs> you've been in your business for 25 years, you've been writing movie reviews for pretty much that whole time. Uh, no, it, um, I've been doing reviews since about the, I don't know, like, so I want to, I want to say like, 2006 or seven. Um, so I started, um, it was actually, um, our, uh, one of our morning, uh, anchors, um, noticed that the register was having a contest. Uh, this was around the time that like, you know, the TV stations and, and the register and, you know, newspapers and, and such were really realizing that webs, that, that the web was where they needed to be. And they needed to really up their presence on their websites and the register wanted like these 10, what they called community movie critics, because uh, they were changing up their, uh, up their website. And so they held a contest and I was one of the 10 picked and uh, I started writing movie reviews just basically for their website. And occasionally if they needed uh, content in the today section um, uh, for like Monday morning, every once in a while, they would actually print some of our reviews, which was kind of cool. Um, and then, uh, a few years into that, uh, they changed their website again to be a subscription only website. And I hadn't written anything for a while. And, um, somebody actually messaged me on the site. And when I went to go respond, it was like, oh, you need to pay $10 to do that. And I'm like, I'm not paying for the, you know, the privilege of writing reviews for you. So then I uh, I then started a Facebook a separate Facebook page for just doing that, okay. and then um, I, it was probably about a month and a half after I started that um, it was real kismet going. I was actually um, I was actually it was, it's all basically movie. I was sitting uh, on the news set reading a book about movies and waiting for. Uh, John Pascuzzi to show up, who was the old, you know, on-air movie reviewer for Channel Eight for the longest time. He was kind of he was supposed to come in and uh, record his review, and for that week. And the the news director at the time, uh, Dave Busick, came up uh, came into the studio to talk to the weather person who was engaged in another conversation. So he just started talking with me, asked how the movie reviewing thing was going, and I went well, it, this, it's this. And I told him the whole story and he goes, well, let me talk to our uh, web guys and see what they think about you doing them for our website. And I was like, well, I'm friends with, <laughs> with the two that were running it at the time. I was friends with them. I'm like, there's a no brainer. And that's how I started doing it for our website. Oh man, that is kismet. I was just going to say, and then, so how did that transition to you like Rotten Tomatoes and kind of oh, expanding yeah. that beyond the website? Yeah. So, um, 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 it was actually uh, uh, one of my best friends uh, told me that um, I needed to see. He was like he, he was he he was poking me and going, hey, you know, you need to look into seeing if you can get your stuff on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, OK, well, I'll look into that. And I looked into it and um, they only accept um, applications in I think it's March and September, I think is the is the months. And the day that I checked, 
I believe it was like October 1st or 2nd. Oh. So, I was, so I had another six months before. So of, of my friend keep kept going, I, even though I would explain to him, like, I can't do it until March. He would keep like, like, you know, once every couple of weeks, he would poke me and be like, Hey, you hey, don't forget about Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. What are you yeah. doing? Don't forget about Rotten Tomatoes. And so then the following uh, March, I, um, I applied and, and got accepted because you, it's like, you have to be, have, have been writing for so many years for an accredited uh, website. It can't just be like your blog or whatever like that. So it, you know, and it was like, and you know, I was, you know, I heard back in like a couple of days, it was just, it was pretty quick. And they were like, yeah, we sure we'd love to have you. And I just went through the process of signing up. And, and now that now I get to, to uh, affect the tomato meter and link my reviews from KCCI onto their, uh, onto their website. So, uh, you know, I feel so powerful now. <laughs> Should I, I was asked, are you ever tempted to like, hey, I can just totally tank this beloved movie and people are going to re- read my review and hate it, but I'm going to get so much traffic. Oh, it'll drive up those numbers so much. Yeah, but, no, I, no, because I think it's because I just I just love movies so much that I, I don't. I, oh, sure. and, 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 you know, despite being a part of it, not only Rotten Tomatoes, but being a part of the critics community. Uh, you know, I've never really been a huge fan of aggregator sites like that, that because of kind of the way it has ended up influencing the the industry as a whole. Uh, but, you know, I don't mind the exposure. Um, sure. I'm fine with getting people to read my stuff. Um, and um, uh, but I'm also the one of the first people, as I say, in like in being a part of the critic community, I'm always one of the first people to say, yeah, we're full of shit. So, oh, you know, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's cause it's all opinion. And, right. um, you know, I, um, especially my reviews, I, if, if you go and you look through my list, you'll see that it's mostly, uh, fresh reviews, uh, partly because I, I don't get, uh, reimbursed from the station and I've always just paid for my own tickets. So I'm usually just going to, so- I'm usually going to something that I'm pretty sure I'm going to. Yeah. Do. You get, if you're going to pick movies to see, you're not going to pick movies you're going to hate. Yeah. Who's going to do yeah. that? Right. I mean, if this was if it was a reimbursement thing and I could just go to anything and it was it was my that was all I did for for my job, then, yeah, I would go see everything. You'd probably have a more negative reviews, which is what makes some of the negative reviews uh, always uh, that much more fun and surprising for me, because it's just like, oh, wow, um, I did not expect that movie to be that bad. And and it's and it's a lot of fun to rip on a rip on a movie when when it is when it is bad. I'm seeing Morbius. I'm just kind of looking through. That was yeah. one of the few I see that you gave a poor rating to. That seems to be the yeah. consensus. That, that is the movie. consensus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Um, uh, yeah. As uh, friends of mine, we uh, uh, there's a I have a group of friends that we get together uh, once a month. We call ourselves the Die of Doom uh, Film Society, and we watch. Um, uh, bad movies. Oh sure. And in the whole process of we, you know, we have a box and we put the posters of the movies. There's six of us, so there's six movies to choose from, and one person rolls the box, which is the Die of Doom. And we have three rules: you have to sit through the whole thing. There's no pausing and no rewinding. And um, there's a lot of times when we get out of a movie, out, out of watching one of those, and we're like, that was a movie yeah <laughs> and that's about what i could say for for a film like morbius it's just it's a movie <laughs> yeah i, I it, haven't it, heard it, a it, single vaguely complimentary thing about the movie um and it's probably out there i'm sure it's not a zero percent on rotten tomatoes but boy right. 
it's it, it's hard to find stuff. But so I, your die of doom. Sorry, I'm just gonna ask. How do you decide what movies go in or are selected from the possible all, options to roll? We all we all select um, we all select a movie. Um, most most times, because we can get we can get through three movies uh, a meeting, and so. Um, if we haven't done a die cleanse, as we call it, where we just go ahead and and don't pick three more new movies to add to it, we just take we just go with the other three um, and just and try and clear it off. Um, yeah, then the three people whose movies were chosen, they get to choose three more movies, and we call them movies. Of, I, I, like, I like to refer to them as movies of questionable quality because we thoroughly enjoy a lot of the movies that we watch. Um, uh, that was when we were when. Um, uh, uh, when you sent me the email about this, I was like, uh, you know, you said, oh, it could be good. It could be bad. And I, you know, when I said I was debating between a bunch of movies, I was like, one of those was probably, I was like, I've got to, maybe I should choose, really throw them a curveball and choose one of our, one of our favorite Die of Doom movies, uh, you know, and do one of those or, or sure. you know, something like that, it, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, we, uh, yeah, we, uh, I, I'm constantly looking through and, uh, you know, I, I follow a few um uh, uh, review websites that specialize in cult cinema things and looking for things that look sound that like, oh yeah, that's probably going to be uh, very die worthy, uh, you know, and um, and I'll I'll pick something up and watch it and be like, okay, yeah, and and I'll take that with me. And I, and, I gotta say that Die Doom sounds like a heck of a podcast. You shake it, <laughs> you pick the movie, and and talk, that's true. We've talked, we've we've kind of talked about that, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, and it's a lot of fun. Like some, there's sometimes you get a movie and you're just, and it, we suffer. We, we, we really, um, uh, I'll, I'll say that was one of, one of my picks um, uh, quite a while back um, uh, is a movie called Verotica, which was the directorial debut of uh, Glenn Danzig. Oh, Yes, <laughs> and he, he directed a movie, huh? Direct, okay. Uh, actually, I think I believe he's directed the second film in the interim, uh, or, or since then. And um, but yeah, no, he uh, yeah, it's a movie. Yeah, it's definitely. Didn't he direct the mother video? I think he did. If he I remember, might ha- right. he might have. Yeah, but yeah, th- yeah, and uh, but this was like based on some comic book that he'd written okay. years ago, and and it's it's just just filled with shots that just go on forever and ever and so much gratuitous nudity that you actually get numbed to it, which is, <laughs> you just don't think you could, but, but Hey, look, there's, there's more boobs. Great. <laughs> and now they're, now they're covered in blood and we're lingering and <laughs> no, Glenn, you can cut anytime. You could plan. You need an editor. We got it. You got it. We understand. <laughs> we the audience plan. understands what's happening. Yes. We figured it out. Yeah. We move on to the next thing. Exactly. <laughs> so yes. yeah, those it's movies like that where we're like, oh geez. But then you get you then you get movies like uh, I'll throw out a good couple titles here. Um, American American Shaw is a fantastically bad movie, um, starring um, uh. Um, oh, now I'm blanking on his name, but uh, 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 big gymnast back in the '80s, um, and uh, he, that is that one's that one's fantastic. It, it co-stars Donald Pleasance as a te- as a televangelist, um, and it, I, invol- it involves Chinese mysticism. Okay. Yeah, and <laughs> um, and then there's another and then there's another great one uh, that we love called The Kindred, or no, not The Kindred. Uh, the, um, 
uh, oh, what, um, damn, uh, I, this happens to me all the time. Uninvited. The Uninvited is what it's called. Okay. And it's, it, it stars uh, uh, Academy Award winner George Kennedy. And um, it's about a bunch of people on a yacht. Uh, and they are being attacked by a, it's, well, it's, it's, it's a, a cat that was genetically experimented on that escapes from the lab at the beginning of the movie. And they end up bringing the cat, they find the cat as a stray and they bring it along with them. Well, this cat, uh, it, 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 there's no other way to say it. It has another cat inside of it that comes out of its mouth and attacks people. And then goes right back in. Uh, makes like the, sense. Like the alien mouth, but it's a cat. Kind, okay. Kind of, but it, but the, but I mean, like the, like the full cat comes out uh. and attacks people, and then, and then crawls like back in. It detaches. In. It goes. It detaches. Out. It goes out and like leaves the husk of a cat, and then goes back into the, <laughs> and then goes back into the other cat, and yeah. Okay. It, it is. It hit. It it, it. it. It's just a movie that needs to be seen to be, to be believed. But it is fantastic. Someday we'll do one of these so bad it's good movies. I mean, I subjected Eric <laughs> to the room a few years ago, and, and it was dire at first because there's a lot of those gratuitous sex scenes. Like I think there's like yeah. three of them, and Eric was having a hard time getting past them. But once you got past, then you got to the really good stuff. Um, and, it, and it's unfortunate because bad movies are ones you really do want to watch with other people. I mean, there's plenty of movies I love watching by myself, and I don't need anybody else around. That's fine. But like a bad movie. That's when you want somebody else to experience with. I don't want to sit down and watch one by myself usually. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, and I, I, I have a, a YouTube show, Best of the Worst, done by Red Letter Media, and they do yeah. a version of that where they're watching bad movies and they have their gimmicks. They're spinning wheels and all sorts of other ways of selecting which bad movies they're going to watch. Yeah, a couple, yeah, a couple of our Diadoom guys are huge Red Letter Media fans. Um, and uh, uh, we also have, um, there's a book called The Bad Movie Bible. And oh, okay. uh, um, I'd, uh, I'd picked up a copy for myself and was like, okay, everybody needs a copy. So for, I think it was for uh, Christmas one year, I gave everybody else a copy of the book and it is, you know, and we, and we do just call it the Bible. We know what we're talking about when we say, Hey, was this in the Bible? <laughs> and, oh, sure. uh, and, um, and it. in fact, it's, and in fact, it's gone to the point where uh, the past uh, three years, uh, one of our friends uh, uh, is he's he's like the one that's really big sports guy. And so uh, a couple of years ago, he decided to that we should during March Madness uh, do a die of doom madness. And he took all of the movies that we'd watched over the last year and put them in a put them in a bracket. And we all had to put together our own brackets. And that first year that he did it, he had a surprise for us he had actually contacted the author of the bad movie Bible and got him to do his own bracket. And so that was what the, you know, like, you know, what the, you know, instead of watching the games on TV to find out who wins, that was our official of who wins each fight between the two, which between each movie. Awesome. And that was, that was just super cool. And we've, and we've done it uh, a couple more years since. So, and, and he's, and he's just been the, that author um, uh, has been um, just more than willing to fill out his own bracket every year. That's really cool. cool. Yeah, no, he's cool. So let's, well, I'm going to transition. We're not watching a bad movie today. Today nope. we watched Fletch <laughs> and we always have our guests pick the movie. 
So, Damon, why of all the movies that you could have possibly picked in the universe did you pick Fletch? Well, Fletch uh, has always been one of my top films. It's it is an absolutely hilarious comedy. It's also a very good mystery. Uh, it's kind of one of the last, I would say, of that kind of that genre that that kind of went from uh, like the mid seventies through about the mid eighties. Um, where they would do these really good comedies, and, and, and of course, and Chevy was part of another really good one back in the '70s called Foul Play. Um, but uh, no, it's it's uh, one of the reasons I picked it is because uh, I've discovered over the last few years, you know, people know Chevy Chase, and they know his some of his output. Uh, they, you know, of course, a lot of people know him from Community recently, and. Uh, they, of course, they know Christmas Vacation because everybody watches that every year. Uh, they'll probably know Three Amigos, probably Caddyshack, probably The First Vacation. But Fletch, which Chevy has called his favorite movie that he's ever made uh, because it was the first one where he was really allowed to just kind of be himself, um, is kind of gotten largely forgotten out of his uh, out of his oeuvre, so to speak. And um, so I've been trying to... I've actually been personally trying to uh, put the word out among you know people. I work with a lot. A lot of the um, part timers at the station are um, college kids or kids right out of college, and so I've been like you know you find it's like basically anybody that was probably born mid '90s to late '90s ish on don't really know about this movie, and I find that to be just a travesty because the movie is so damn good and so funny. And it is, it is like uh, it is a movie that is uh, just universally quotable. Um, I think I remember some of my friends and I, we um, we figured out at one point that the movies that that we quoted the most were uh, Ghostbusters and Fletch. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it is it's just full of great one liners and um and that you can like I've been known to throw out lines from this movie just just haphazardly, you know, not even thinking someone will ask a question. And I'll throw out a line from Fletch as a response, you know, and uh, uh, it's for me, it's either Fletch or um, uh, the Val Kilmer movie Real Genius. My brain will just I'll just say something without even thinking. And then and then, uh, then I'll realize, oh, yeah, then this is probably not the right company to have said that. in. they probably didn't get that at all. <laughs> so. But uh, but yeah, no. Fletch is just such a good movie, and I'm and uh, and, it, and it does kind of uh, depress me a little bit that that it that it it seems to have gotten been forgotten. But hopefully there'll be hopefully that will be changed, not just by this podcast, but um, uh, uh, I think I don't know when it's slated to come out. Maybe later this year or early next year. But they have finally, um, after years and years and years of trying. Uh, they have finally gotten a reboot uh, done, and they filmed it earlier this year. Uh, it's, uh, they're basing it off because the it's actually a series of books, and the sequel Fletch Lives that they did back in the '80s isn't one of the books because the way they end the movie is different than the book, and so they couldn't really do any of the other book stories. But they're taking the second book and going from there, and John Hamm is stepping into the role of Fletch this time around. So I'm looking for I'm I'm very cautiously opt- optimistic about that because I you know I think John Hamm's a great comedian and um uh or comedic actor and and I'm, he hasn't really landed on much 
you know, he's tried comedy, but since Mad yeah. Men, there really hasn't been a thing. He was in that tag movie, right? I didn't think that movie worked. Yeah, that he well. was. I think yeah, he was in, in and then he, uh, he did that. Um, I was it, keeping up with the with the Joneses. Okay, with yep. Galifianakis. Yeah. Um, but when he does comedy, though, he just he hits it like when he uh, like when he gets started on uh, Thirty Rock yeah, and Curb. Yeah. He was good in Curb. Yeah, Curb, yeah, good in Curb and, yeah. and 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 uh, his appearances on SNL and things like that. No, he knows he's he's a very funny actor. Um, and so I'm I'm uh, you know like I said I'm cautiously optimistic. I really hope that that they that they pull it off. Um, uh, so yeah, Confess Fletch is coming out uh, at some point here. So I'm uh, I'm hoping that it it does um create it into a new um into a new uh, uh franchise because uh, it's like i said it's, they've, they've tried a few times kevin smith was the closest uh about uh, in the early 2000s late 90s early 2000s he wanted uh um uh um jason lee to star in it and he was okay. going to do the last two books that the author wrote in that series uh, were actually prequels, and so he wanted to do the first one of that of you know with Jason Lee being a young Fletch when he was just first starting out as a reporter. So, do you know are the books funny? Are they comical? They are in a in a little bit of a sense, but they are they are more they're you know they're mysteries. They're more they're more mysteries. But he is he is yeah he is still kind of a, 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 a kind of a kind of flippant in the books, but they're not like the movie the movie you know because the movie. Um, director Michael Ritchie, who uh, um, did uh, Bad News Bears, um, uh, he um, he would do uh, uh, a take by the script, and then he would just look at Chevy and go, "Okay, now do what you want to do." And that's one of the reasons Chevy loved the movie is because of because of the fact that Michael Ritchie just was like so open to letting Chevy just riff. And, and you can feel that there's like. There's like a whole serious movie, and then there's Chevy Chase, so you can yeah. kind of feel that sort of dichotomy there. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, you know, so that you know, so it, it is, it, and and you know, the book, uh, uh, I've, cause I've read all all of the books, but the but the original book, um, uh, there's a there's a few uh, there's a few elements that they they, they kept out, like there's this um uh, Fletch because he's because during the movie, if you have uh, you know to to give plot, he one of the the things that he's first doing when he's when we meet him is he's investigating the drug trade on the beach, and um, in the book he actually has taken an apartment nearby there, so he has so it doesn't look strange that he would that he gets up and leaves um, and goes a, a huge distance away uh, every night, and he's got a uh, there's a, a teenage junkie girl that's living with him in that apartment. Um, and her character, not spoiling anything for anybody who wants to read the book, but her character ends up dying yeah, at some point in the book from an overdose. Um, the the uh, the two threads of the the between the drug trade on the beach and the guy who, uh, you know, Alan Stanwyck, the the character that hires him to kill him, um, hires Fletch to kill him, uh, is uh, there's no connection in the book. Uh, the uh, the police chief still ends up killing Stanwyck, but um, just because he thinks that he's Fletch, uh, mistakes him for Fletch oh, from, sure. out, from, from, out, from, outside, from outside the house. From a writing standpoint, because yeah. so everything you described about this being forgotten and, and Chevy Chase's oeuvre, uh, <laughs> that absolutely would apply to me. I, I was born in 84, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think I'd ever sat down and watched this entire movie. Um, and what's more, 
not only did I forget about it, I, I kind of actively don't like Chevy Chase. Yeah. Christmas Vacation has kind of grown on me a little bit over the years. But I, the Vacation movies have never worked for me, and I've never really able to, to buy Chevy Chase as like a nice guy, as an everyman. He feels more natural when he's being a little bit of a jerk. Um, that kind of feels like his home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I came into this movie thinking, ooh, Chevy Chase, smart alky comic from the 80s. That's going to be pretty rough. And boy, this is why we should have guests on all the time. I, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I actually laughed throughout this movie and how much it felt like an actual movie, not just a comedy. Yeah. But there is a plot and a narrative going on the whole time. And as smart as he's going to be, what he's saying kind of makes sense. And people kind of react to him in a way that's plausible and then sometimes out and out believable. Um, sometimes in comedies, people will say wacky things and nobody reacts like actual people. And it's just, yeah. okay, people are saying silly things, but it feels unreal. This didn't have that at all. Um, I mean, you could tell that those two narrative strands, the this guy's going to kill and the drug trees, I, I assumed those were going to link by the end, but it works really well. The writing surprised me by how good it was. And I should probably maybe give these books a try because I was, I was pleasantly surprised by how well it worked and it maintained the plot throughout. And a lot of the humor was derived from, from the plot in a way that worked surprisingly well. Yeah. I was genuinely shocked to have laughed out loud because I, I only really remember two scenes that I've ever seen. One is the prostate exam scene. I remember that. <laughs> And then the hallucinatory scene when he th- thinks, you know, he's imagining himself as a Laker. And I, I think I saw it a kid and I thought it was going to be a basketball movie. And then I was disappointed when it was adults talking, you know, I mean, we're talking when I was probably like five or something, you know, it's yeah. like I, I didn't get any of the humor at all. And it's just like, no, I thought, I thought it was, it was basketball was going to happen. And, and it's not, it's just a, a weird little fantasy sequence where he imagines <laughs> being a star Laker um, for whatever reason. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised by, by how well this worked. And like, yeah, why why are we talking about these other Chevy Chase movies and not this one is a great question. Yeah, I don't have an answer to that one because it made money. This was a hit. I looked. It was like, you know, yeah, no, it was a big little budget, eight million, and it made fifty eight. Like that's that's a hit. Yeah, no, it was a solid. It was a solid eighties hit. And um, uh, I I unfortunately didn't get to see it when it was in theaters, but I did see it a year later, like on HBO or whatever. Um, that's when I became. Uh, a big fan of it uh but yeah no you're right it do, people do react naturally to his uh, you know his his sarcasm and his and his wit and like especially like like when stanwick um the, you know the great tim matheson brings him to his house at the beginning of the movie and and you know he's making a joke about um about uh, chevy's making a joke about how he he came real close to buying that place until he found out that Hopalong cassidy killed himself there you know, so he was like bow and arrow, strange, and 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 Tim, you know, Tim says, "Are you high right now?" And he goes, "Don't talk to me like that, ass face. I don't work for you yet." You know, it's like you know, it's like you know, you know, the you know, people do actually react to his to to his humor as a normal human being would, and uh, um, you know, so yeah, it's that's that's part of what does make it um, uh, a much you know much better comedy mystery film than just being like what you what what we've gotten since is you know like you know you get it's either a comedy or it's an action film you don't get um or a mystery you know you don't really get the same kind of a of a of a a combination like you do with fletch or you did with beverly hills cop you know it's it's you know okay we're going to make uh an actiony film but it's going to start this comedian and it's just going to be a comedy with some with some elements in in it and uh and that's you know 
I, I think that's kind of where writing has kind of taken a downhill slide too when it comes to these types of movies is is that you got to you know if you're going to do a genre mashup you do a genre genre mashup you got to do you got to approach the you know the writing as I'm writing you know this kind of movie but we're going to throw comedy into it you know and it's you know you got to have an equal equal dosage rather than you know like Paul Blart you know <laughs> I've never had the pleasure of watching Paul Blart mall cop never, ne- neither have I I just but I'm, I I I you know I've seen enough of you know of it I'm you know yeah Kevin James not one of my go-tos sure <laughs> and this is I mean Eric I don't know maybe this is a good point that Damon made like I there aren't too many of these kind of mashups anymore, action comedies, action mysteries. Eric, can you remember the last time one of these kind of came out where it was really just blending the two? Because it really just feel like there's those two kinds of movies mixed together. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't happen often. So you mentioned Beverly Hills Cop. Right. And I think right. I think that because that comes out before Fletch, right? Yeah. And I think that movie, just for my perspective, does what Fletch is doing a little better, I think. And I think it kind of obscures maybe – and Eddie Murphy is so much more likable. I, I'm coming from the same place Ben is where I have just never really liked Chevy Chase. He's just <laughs> never done it for me. Caddyshack, everything he's in, I'm always thinking someone else could do it better than him. And he comes off as a jerk. He's like the same age as my dad and kind of looks like my dad, so maybe I need to talk to a therapist to figure Uh-oh, out yeah. why that is. Uh-oh. But, uh, Uh-oh. I've just always kind of had an issue with him. And, and seeing this I movie mean, too, too. – like, like it's. I kept thinking, is, is there a better version of this? And then my mind went to Ace Ventura for whatever reason, because Ace Ventura is a little bit like this, where there's this mystery. Yes, it's a, it's a stupid thing about a missing dolphin, so it's not like yeah. a real story. But then, then you throw this like crazy guy on top of it, who everybody, everyone else around him is like a normal person, except he's just this insane lunatic. And I kind of felt the same way with Fletch, where he's like, everyone else is just living their lives, they're normal people, and then this guy that just like says the weirdest, most outlandish things to people. Um, so yeah, I guess you're right. There, there aren't a ton of those comedy action movies. I think Seth Rogen's been in some sort of, like Pineapple Express is a little bit like that. It came, um, it came pretty close. Uh, yeah, well, but like Ace Ventura, that's an interesting – to me, that's a straight-out comedy. I, the mystery elements are just so – we just need to create more weird scenarios for Jim Carrey to do weird things. Yeah. It never works as an actual mystery to me. It's all just what insane things are we going to hear Jim Carrey say. I think one of uh, the last that I remember is um, uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer uh, with Mike Myers because uh, that, oh, yeah. that one's a that one's pretty pretty well blended of his – comedy bits but there's also this background story still not as strong as either fletch or beverly hills cop and i do i do agree because beverly hills cop um uh for a long time beverly hills cop was my favorite movie of all time um but that um uh but yeah it's it, it, the the blending is what it, it, what makes it them so good and yeah so i think so i married next murder is it still does lean a little bit more onto mike myers's shtick but still keeps the story going. Yeah. I was just going to say there, there, like there's some really dark scenes in Fletch, which kind of threw me off. It's like the scene well, where they, them seriously, right? I mean, they, they feel like they're, they're not they, playing all of them for comedy. Right. When they take him into the jail cell and the guy's like threatening to kill him, I'm like, Holy crap. This is like getting yeah. seriously dark, like <laughs> police brutality and threat, like threatening his life. Well, like, and you Whoa. see Fletch realize, yeah. Oh, like I, I can't just say something like this is actually, a, I'm, I'm at, I'm in jeopardy here. And his facade yeah. changes, and then he, he switches gears in a way that 
it's kind of played for comedy, but it's also you see a man realize he might get shot in the face. Um, and and that, that's a tricky balance to do, but I think they pull it off for me. I mean, I, I, yeah. Uh, maybe somebody could have done it better than Chevy Chase, but I, this is where I feel like Chevy Chase's obnoxious stick works a little better. I mean, he's playing kind yeah. of a jerk um, a little, little bit, but I think he's only jerks to almost all just like rich doofuses. He's hardly <laughs> bad to anybody who's not. I mean, these are just entitled rich people mostly that he's messing with. Yeah. Because you know, everybody in the newsroom loves him. You know, you know, he comes walking in and everybody's like, Hey, Fletch is back, you know, and, and, you know, and, you know, of course he's, and his friendship with, with, uh, with Larry, uh, you know, you know, very pre stardom Gina Davis. Um, and, uh, you know, so yeah. And, and, uh, but I think, um, when it comes to the, the handling the dark with the comedy, well, I think that's one of the reasons why Michael Ritchie was such a good choice because I mean, bad news bears, um, while a funny movie, um, I mean, it, it's got a lot of darkness to it too. I mean, yeah, the guy's an alcoholic. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. To start off, yeah, to start off yeah. with Walter Matthau yeah. as, an, as literally an alcoholic. Yeah, and then you know you've got, um, you know the, uh, you know when when um, uh, when uh, Tanner that that beats up the bullies uh, when they're when they're when they're picking on Lupus, and you know, and that's a that's a pretty you know, dark scene there. And, you know, there's just, you know, and there's, it's, you know, and, and just, and just the pure fact of, you know, how the movie ends, um, you know, so I think Michael Ritchie was a perfect choice to, to blend the, the, the darker serious elements of a, of a mystery novel with Chevy's comedy sense. And I, and I do agree. I, you know, Chevy Chase, um, I, I actually had this conversation with a couple of the kids at work yesterday um, that, um, like I, I've got the ability to separate art from artists. So, you know, if I didn't, there's no way I could still enjoy, you know, say the Lethal Weapon series. Um, sure. But, <laughs> um, uh, uh, but uh, uh, Chevy was one of those very first people, like probably one of the first people that you did have to do that with. You had to kind of separate art from artist because even without the Internet, you heard all of these stories about what a dick he was. You know, he was, sure. you know, just, you know, the way he left, the way he just left F- SNL um, in the lurch and, uh, you know, just it, he just it was a reputation that followed him for a long time. And it's still well, still hounding to, you know, follows him to, to this date. I mean, you t- you you watch any kind of an in, uh, interview with him, even uh, one of the guys was saying that he was just recently interviewed for uh, uh, CBS this morning. And they were like, yeah, you can just tell he's. You know, he, you know, he's just, he, he's just a jerk. And, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, he, you know, yeah, he should, I would never want to probably personally meet him, but sure. I still do enjoy uh, several of his, uh, several of his movie performances. Uh, there are four jokes in this movie that I like burst out laughing. Like, and I haven't, I was thinking about like, when was the last time I burst out laughing? So I had never seen this before either. So this was the first time watching again, same thing for Ben. It just sort of slipped in there around his other movies. And I just, it was never on TV and I never seen it before. Um, but the, the rubber glove joke, <laughs> the, yeah. the do you own rubber gloves? I rent them. I have a lease. Option. Option. <laughs> yeah. That to me is so stupid, but I, I just sat laugh for like two minutes. And then the 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 Babar scene. Yeah. How do you, how do you, is it with two B's? No, one. B A B R. That's two B's. Oh, but they weren't next to each other. Uh, yeah, that, that's what you meant. Yeah. And the elephant stuff, because I remember Babar as a kid being around. I was like, yeah. oh wait, is that a reference yeah. to the elephant? 
Because yeah, I, yeah. I do love the made-up names he has all the time. I mean, he, he does The Godfather and a bunch of other yeah. just made-up <laughs> nonsense and all the, the stupid other names for penises all the time in his names. Yeah. Um, and you have to really listen because he just throws – that is, I fast. guess, one, one skill Chevy Chase has that not a lot of comedians do where you just throw in these quick lines and you're like, wait, I didn't catch that. But if you listen careful enough – they're pretty hilarious. The other thing, for whatever reason, when uh, uh, he has the champagne when he's he's at the club and he pops the bottle and he pours it in the bucket. I don't know why yeah. that made me laugh. It's like, why did he do that? Just little, like, yeah, just little bits of business that, that he's really good with, you know, like, you, you know, and the, and the you know his classic looking at the wrist with no watch and going. <laughs> yeah. <"Ooh, they're> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that's it's so dumb, but oh man, that's so I cracked up. Yeah, and like I said, that that like uh, I constantly, uh, you know, will will throw out quotes from this movie. Um, there was there was one time I was uh, um, uh, I was talking uh, I was talking with with one person at uh, I think it was when I was still at thirteen. I was talking with one of the one of the reporters, and uh, one of my uh, uh, one of my really good friends. Uh, she was sitting right next to us, and he was just kind of asking like. You know, it was one of those, you know, how, you know, you kind of get into conversations about where, you know, your, 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 your family name, you know, where did that come from and everything? And he's, and he's just like, he's like, you know, what's the net, what is the nationality of fudge? And I went, Scotch Romanian, <laughs> just, it just phoom, right out of Scotch my mouth. And which of course is the line when the John yeah. Cocktail, yeah, that's an interesting name. And, and, uh, and, uh, um, and uh, the my the the my best friend who was sitting there, she of course is a big Fletch fan as well, and she just started laughing and gave me a high five. And and I think if I remember correctly, I think he said that's an odd combination. And I believe I did continue <laughs> with the line, "You should meet my parents." Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, so yeah, no, I it's it's just it's just so um, it's just so wonderfully uh, quotable and. Um, and uh, those are probably ad libs, right? Like you said, oh, there's, yeah. there's probably a script, but that seems like something he just probably came up on the spot. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it is, and um, you know, just and and just and kudos to all of the actors in this movie for, you know, being able to keep straight faces. You know, I'm sure there were a lot of messed up takes, um, and uh, but. Oh, I'm sure, he plays just, the bearded guru guy on the street. Yeah. I'm sure that I, if I were on set, I just this is ridiculous. Why <laughs> he's skateboarding and then cha- I mean, it just just outlandish. Mm-hmm. I mean, just seeing it made me like, oh, that's so grotesque that it made me laugh as well. So yeah, it would have been really tough uh, to not laugh. It's probably a lot of takes. Yeah, and I even I even like just just within the last month, um, uh, one of the technical directors at work. Um, uh, had said something and I didn't quite hear them. And I, I was, I said, I said, what? And, and they pointed to the screen uh, to try and show me something, but, uh, but the screen, but just, I don't know if you've ever seen like a back uh, the, like behind the scenes of a news control room, but we have like five giant TV screens with that are all divided into tiny little monitors. And so I don't know where she was pointing and sure. so I, 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 I did Frank's line. I said, don't point, speak. <laughs> you know, like I said, it just, this stuff just, just kind of falls out of the mouth. But sure. Well, my, my favorite one, the one that I'm more likely to use in just some scenario, I don't know when I'm going to, it's going to stay in the back of my head was just when he's being confronted by the police chief. And he's like, I like getting manhandled and thrown around. I like you. It was just <laughs> such a like obnoxious thing to say to a cop who's like, 
being super masculine and tough and then saying that you like that and that, that you're really into that. I mean, that's just such a really obnoxious way to mess with them. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, that, that was the point where I laughed the most. I had to pause the movie and just, just revel in the laughter for a little bit. Um, I didn't expect that line to come. You know, the things you just don't expect it. You don't know what the humor is going to be. It's not always obvious. And then it just comes from somewhere in his brain. And then, yeah, you're just like, oh, it, that's well, really, really funny. That was the thing for me. It took a while for there to be a joke in the movie. Like, honestly, it was a 20, 30 minutes into the movie where he makes his first joke. I'm like, whoa, okay, now we're, now we're cooking with jokes. But for most of the, like, first quarter of the movie, there's nothing funny about it. Well, I, but I, I, that worked for me. That helped, like, put stuff in common. I mean, they just really did get the balance right. I mean, I think when, when he throws the rock at the cop car, right, his his buddy gets arrested and he throws a cop and, and everybody's like, are you okay, Fletch? He's like... I'm fine. They didn't want me. Uh, they wanted him. And I'm being very like, he's just serious, right? He doesn't always put on the tough, sarcastic facade. There's times where he's serious. He's actually trying to figure out what's going on. And that works. Um, and because he's being smart like, in certain situations where there's a weird power dynamic, it I don't know, the humor worked a lot better for me than it might in a movie that just literally is trying to have every single sequence be comedic. I did have a question. So, uh, Damon, you mentioned that like the book the request to have him kill him is separate from the drug thing. I was kind of confused by that in the movie. So was the guy from black sheep was, was he with the cop bringing drugs into the city? Is that, what? yeah, that's the, that's the, the, that's the impression you're supposed to get of the, uh, uh, the fact that he's, when he goes to the, when he goes to the, uh, airplane hangar and, and is talking with those two great guys and the, they're like, yeah, you use as much fuel to go to the South America and back. And so you're supposed to get that, that, Stanwick's going to South America. He's picking up the drugs, bringing them back on his private plane, which is you know easier to get them into the country than than um, you know any other uh, system at the time. And uh, and yeah, and so then he like that the meeting at the in, uh, that they had in the uh, on the bridge where he where Fletch sees the Stanwick get into the car with with uh, with the shift, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, so they so they do the exchange there or, you know, some other place. And and um, so the so the chief gets the drugs and he passes the drugs on to uh, on to the, the guy to get, that's constantly getting arrested from the beach. And um, but the guy from Cheers dummy. was the one like the, he owned the he was the one selling it. OK, yeah. So he'd be the. Yeah. So he's. Uh, the, yeah. So like Gummy would bring him to Fat Sam's and to George Went's place and, and George Went would then, you know, you know, cut it up and sell it. And he got free junk out of it. As he says, he does just free junk. I'm just going to, that was one of those scenes that weirdly sat with me because George Went was really acting in that scene and he's being serious. Like here's a character who's really understands. He's really screwed. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is all I'm getting out of it, man. And you could feel the desperation. It was shocked. Um, I was, I was just impressed, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people are really just doing acting in a serious movie but it works. It, it, somehow the, the balance get it evens out. Yeah, especially if George went like uh, uh, you know. It's one scene, but Cheers. Yeah, it. Cheers had been going for probably I think about three years by this point, and you know, so it's within a relatively small role for him to be in. Um, but yeah, it's and and you were expecting, you're expecting Norm. You know, especially at that time, you're seeing oh there's George went and you're like oh it's going to be no he's doing the serious parts in this movie. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, you know, they're not, they're not laughing off the fact that, that, uh, you know, that he's selling drugs, you know, it's not, you know, the, you know, it, you know, it is, it, you know, while it is a comedy, 
yeah, you say they take they take the stuff seriously. They're you know it's you know they're they're not you know making light of uh, that this is a drug dealer and yeah, real addicts, real problems. Yeah, yeah, sure. no, it it's it's so that's and now, once again part of I it has it's a charm of the movie when they, when you're talking about you know you know real beach addicts who that's all they do live on the beach and do drugs. Uh, they get from this shitty you know hamburger stand um, <laughs> right. but it is it's part of the term of the movie that that it it takes its mystery seriously and then just lets chevy be uh be the comedy like it just you know he it's you know it it just lets the rest of the world be chevy's straight man and i think that really works and so stanwick because he had another wife right there's this whole like yeah, secret wife. So he just wanted to get out of the game. That's why he wanted to pretend to I'm die. Sure, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's yeah. It's it is a little um uh you know kind of a loose tie up to the movie, but yeah, no, I, th- I think it's just that he you know uh he well I'm, I'm sure that he was just constantly you know he came from you see his family's farm is you know you know it's this you know terribly run down pig farm in Provo, Utah. And, um, you know, I'm sure that he's always wanted money. And so he um, he probably, you know, he's probably cooked up this scheme with 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 his first wife, with Sally Ann Kavanaugh uh, for years that he's like, OK, I'm going to move to L.A. I'm going to find a rich woman. I'm going to marry her and we'll bilk their family for millions and then we'll get out of here. And part of that part of the way that he found to make money was doing drug uh, do uh, dealing drugs and uh so yeah i mean yeah it is it is kind of loosely threaded together but it's it's threaded together you know um you know as 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 strongly as you would expect a, a comedy mystery to probably wrap things up too here's a general question a, a little bit about fudge but about uh, were car chases better in the 80s oh it, the car oh. chase in this movie is really good yeah there's like, there's so much better like anything Anything pre the first, even the first um, Fast and the Furious, where they used a lot of CGI to show you, like the internal of the engines and everything. Like, yeah, yeah, car chases were um, probably a lot better because I think there was. Um, uh, I think I think now we expect that the car chases, you know, as thrilling as they are, we know that they're safe. Whereas there probably was, I mean, there were safety measures in place, but, you know, it's like comparing the safety measures in a NASCAR of the 80s to the safety measures in today's NASCARs, you know, so, you know, you know that some, that at some point these people were in danger because, you know, they're, they're, you know, the stunt guys are driving around in a convertible. So right there, you don't have a cage <laughs> to protect them. So, yeah, no, I think the car chases were a lot better. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I love this one. I, it's like, it's not as good as Blues Brothers, but it made me think of Blues Brothers. Like, yeah, they take it seriously and know what's going on. It feels like they're really racing through the streets. I get the stakes. It's not a big, it's not cut too much, you know, where you can't, you get disoriented. Mm-hmm. It was really, really, really exciting. Um, yeah. I was like, man, this is like an actual genuinely good car. I mean, yeah, Beverly Hills Cop is a good comparison. Um, the action, such as there was in this movie, is really exciting they took it seriously yeah um and kind of ex- unexpected too in the middle right. of this oh. movie like oh okay now we've got a car chase okay fun <laughs> you know? yeah exactly i was up thought. for it i was up for it <laughs> oh though. me too yeah. i was like wow i didn't expect this but wow this is really really fun and the was, and the fun of having that just that that hapless car thief kid 
Yeah, oh, yeah. I love the bit where it's like, hey, did you steal this car? Yeah, I stole I sure the car. did. I sure did. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure that's even a crime anymore. Right. <laughs> I think that's one of my favorite lines in the movie um, is when he uh, when he pulls around the semi and he's, he's like, he's like, you know, oh, there's Larry. Won't he be surprised? <laughs> you know, just, it, you know, just those little just those little throwaway kind of lines are just are just great. And the, you oh, know, yeah. especially like, I think the probably the one of the most most quoted lines out of the uh, out of the movie is, uh, you know, uh, can I borrow your towel? My car just hit a water buffalo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, the only time where I and the movie didn't lose the thread, but the only time I, I it started, I wavered a tiny bit. And this is this is going to be the closest thing to a, a meaningful criticism I really have other than Gina Davis is kind of like I. Her, she has a pretty thankless role of just being Fletch's, you know, eternal support and has no other depth beyond that. But, it, <laughs> yeah, you know, she's just there to scratch, literally scratch his scratch back, his back. And, yes, yes, and, scratch his back. and do all the things he needs her to do, even when he's kind of on the outs with his like editor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as we got almost a little too silly, it lost the, the here's how I'll say it. It lost the plausibility threat for me a little bit when he's given the speech at the Shriners or whatever it is. Yeah. And they have the weird hats and the cops were just walking too slow. They were coming to the stage too slow as he's talking. I'm like, not a single <laughs> that one. That reminded me a lot sprint. of, it reminded me of na- the Naked Gun movies a lot. That's where it was like kind of jumped into the Naked Gun parody kind of kind of yeah. for me. That's a good way to put it too. It's like, all right, we've lost, we're just not quite. Ooh, okay. Those, I, those cops are walking way too slow for me. <laughs> they are like tiptoeing. Like there's eight of them and they're just letting them talk. I'm pretty sure they'd be dead sprinting um, yeah. to get them. But um, that was it. I mean, that was the one point. But, it, like, but, it, but it, yeah, you had, you had to have them tiptoe for the for the effect of the whole scene. For to give the awkward and, speech yeah, and then realize, the thank the police and officer and everybody the gets let up. They let Chevy do his, his shtick and yeah, get everybody to hug the police. You know, hug a cop. Yeah. <laughs> right. That was it. That was the. That was after the car. I mean, I don't know how I wanted the car to stand. I didn't know how it would end, which is part of what made it exciting. He's like, I don't know where this is going to go. He could get captured. He could not. I don't know. Um, but he just leaves the poor kid in the stolen convertible. Although I did like the the there is you know uh yeah while the while the well it's you know a little unbelievable how slow the cops moved through the room in that scene. Uh, but the fact that some of the cops aren't thrown by the uh by the uh when he starts singing the national anthem like a few of them do take off their hats and they turn <laughs> towards the flag but then there's a couple of them that are like no screw this and they're, they're still moving through the crowd to try and get him and i thought okay that that's kind of that's kind of recovering the slow action of the beginning of the scene is that no these cops know that they're that they still have a job to do they still have to get this guy uh they just get waylaid by everybody hugging them Well, should we segue over to just give our rating here? Sure. Uh, you want to, if you have a out of five stars, you have a rating you want to give it? Oh, I would, I would definitely give this four and a half stars. I mean, I don't think I could ever give it really full, full five stars for, you know, some of the, you know, the, the, like that implausibility of the cops moving slowly and, and the, and kind of the weak connection of the threads uh, towards the end. But, but, you know, like I said, I've this has been a staple. I watch this probably at least once a year, and I I laugh just as much now that I than I did 
uh, back in the day. And, uh, well, you know, over the years, I think I've probably gotten more of the jokes just, you know, just becoming an adult. But um, but yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a solid four and a half star movie out of five. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in. That's exactly the rating I would give it. You know, it's just not perfect enough or quite deep enough. It doesn't resonate with me on a deeply personal level. Um, But otherwise, I was I was shocked by how much I enjoyed it. I really came in expecting like. I might chuckle a little bit and I was going to have to conjure up some nice things to say to not be too mean about it. <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen. And it didn't, I was like, this is genuinely fun to watch. I'm enjoying all of this. The writing is surprisingly good for an eighties comedy. Um, and there's not a lot of, I mean, it's, there really isn't much that's like, you know, you can see stuff from the eighties and think, Oh boy, that's what was funny in the eighties. Ooh, yeah. there's very little of that. I don't think almost none of that was in there. I didn't have any of those like bad vibes. It was, just genuinely really, really funny. Um, it was whatever Chevy Chase, whatever value he brings, it, that, this this was the best version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody around him does a really good job. I, I I was impressed. I mean, even the the love interest, the wife who's married for the money and the sporn, I mean, she's like thinking agent and she makes choices and she has feelings. And I was like, wow, she has more depth than I expected. I, Gina Davis, I, you know, I don't, didn't love, but was, this is great. And they, they did that crazy balance. It's really tough to mash up two genres. It's really tough to do. Um, especially when one of them's comedy, because comedy is the antithesis to tension in a lot of ways. You can use comedy to just resolve any tension and ambiguity in the plot. And that didn't happen. And they worked together really well. So I loved it. It was, it was a really great time. I look forward to watching it again someday. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I give it four. So I'm a little, little oh, behind boo-boo. on you guys. <laughs> it's, a, it's the Chevy chase of it all. Like I, I, I had Chevy a hard chase of it all from the, from the beginning. Like I'm like, it. okay, I don't, don't know if I love Chevy chase. I think, like you said, it's, it's probably the best thing he's done. <laughs> Where after a while I started to really like some of the jokes he's making, and then thinking back on it, I appreciate it more. Um, but you know, like we mentioned, Beverly Hills. I think Beverly Hills Cop just does this better. Um, yep. So you know, obviously I, I would put that higher. But yeah, I mean, four stars. I think there's some just some of those jokes that I've been thinking about a lot since I watched it. That um, I'll probably have him. I'll probably pop him out now when I in my normal <laughs> conversation, just like you. Yeah, no, and 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 the uh, one definitely, in my opinion, probably one of the best final lines of a movie ever. Uh, you know, we, I put it all in the Underhill's American Express card. Want the number? Oh, yeah. Want and the number? Just, yeah. And then just yeah. credits. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, just it's just it's 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 right up there with you know beginning of a beautiful friendship and uh, you know great great final lines like that. All right, so we've got now. It's time to we got we got to bring it back to the all-time Iowa movie, Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Sarah Damon is our guest. You want to do your uh, your connection from Fletch to Field of Dreams? Sure, sure. Uh, and probably uh, I didn't really realize it when I picked it, but then while rewatching it um, uh, in preparation for this, uh, I you know I you know really had forgotten like just the amount of classic character actors that pepper through this movie you know you've got like his boss is richard libertini who was just who just was you know he's been in you know all kinds of you know all kinds of movies die hard dart with a vengeance right isn't he in that isn't uh yeah i think so yeah Yeah. and um um you know and and and, um you know comedies before that with like all of me and um 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 the in-laws 
you know, he's just he was just he's just a guy that was around forever and just did everything. Uh, you got George Weiner, who was the his ex-wife's uh, lawyer. She, you know, he was he's a he was a big staple in the Mel Brooks uh, group for a long time. Oh, yes. Baseballs. Is what I Baseballs. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yes. you know, you've got, you know, M.M. at he's Walt. He's an asshole, sir. Yeah. OK. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that just, just hit me. Sorry. There we go. Yeah. Uh, M.M. at Walsh uh, as the as the doctor, you know, and, uh, you know, and and like, you know, like said, Gina Davis is there. Um, George went. You've got just tons of people that, that, that you can connect in this. Um, um, and uh, um, so I, like I just uh, uh, last night, I listened to your guys episode on the player. And it's kind of the same way. It's like you just got has so many actors in this thing that just you've got so many things to connect. But. For me, I am a huge mystery science theater fan. Uh, and so I, of course, had to go with Joe Don Baker as my connection person out of this movie. So we've got Joe Don Baker is in this. He is also then in The Natural, uh, the uh, the great baseball film with Robert Redford. Uh, he, he's, he's in that. And Kim Basinger is also in The Natural. And Kim Basinger is co-stars in my all-time favorite movie, um, you know, that replaced Beverly Hills Cop, L.A. Confidential. Oh wow! Okay. Um, which to me is is a nearly perfect movie. I, that was another one that I was like, I was like, I can talk for days about L.A. Confidential. Sure. So that was another one of the movies that I was kind of like, oh, can I pick? Should I pick that one for this? So yeah. Uh, so she's in L.A. Confidential, which also stars Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe uh, co-stars in one of my least favorite movies, Man of Steel, with Kevin Costner. And there's your connection. And I forgot Kevin Costner's in Man of Steel. I just totally forgot. (laughs) Uh, My story story on that is that I saw that when I was uh, – the friend that I worked with at at 13, she now lives in Kansas City. And I went down to visit her and her husband, uh, uh, and uh, we went to go see that. So we're in Kansas City, and here's this, you know, he's playing Pa Kent, and he's, you know, grew up in, you know, he's a Kansas farmer. You know, if you're going to make a movie about the Midwest, have a couple people on the crew that are from the Midwest that can go, um, guys, no. And the scene when he, when he dies, if you haven't seen the movie, oh, don't, I, don't see the movie. I've seen it. <laughs> and, um... Uh, but the scene where he dies is as an outdoor tornado, and he he yells at all the people from there who've gotten out of their cars, they're stuck on the freeway, to get under the bridge. The last place, like the, the most unintentional co- uh, laughter I have heard ever in a movie. The whole theater broke out laughing because we're like, you, what, what did he just say? <laughs> and yeah, so. Yeah. Well, he we, dies for it, so he gets. Yeah, what he does. Yeah. Doesn't he no, go he back does, in to save the dog in the dog. house? Yeah. He goes to try and get a dog. Yes. So first of all, yeah, I mean, I, he I, says, "Don't use your power, I, son. I'm going to die to save the dog." Yeah, I'm. I'm not nothing against nothing. I don't okay. want. I don't want people to think I'm saying saying anything against dogs, but you know, I think that's that's the best payback. Is first of all, you told people to go under a bridge where they're inevitably going to die if the tornado gets anywhere close to that bridge. They're just going to get sucked right out. And second of all, you went back for a dog. You know, Paul Kent in the original Superman, the movie, having a heart, having a heart. That's a moving scene. 
this is a well, scene, and it makes like, more sense. Character like where he can't save him. He literally right. can't. Yeah, he literally he cannot yeah. save. You ate too many cheeseburgers, save. Dad. I'm sorry, I can't yeah. save you. <laughs> yeah, right. Whereas this was just no, no, no. I got it. Yeah, you deserved it. I'm sorry, Kevin Costner. You deserve to die. I, I just got it's. <laughs> Uh, that movie's bad. It's not worse than like Batman versus Superman, though. That movie's worse. Yeah, no. There, well, right. that though. Uh, yeah. What a sad debate this will turn into. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't need to do not, that. We don't need to do that. I'll yeah. just I'll just stop at that point because I can go. <laughs> I I have gotten in so many arguments with one of my good friends at work on 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 the whole Man of Steel and the Zack Snyder ishness of the <laughs> DCEU. Yeah, it's. It's arguing about garbage, really. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Which garbage stinks no, no, no. less? No, 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 That smells. That like smells <laughs> right. really bad. No, but right. this one over here, it kind of smells like a rotting body. <laughs> yeah, yeah not, not a worthwhile endeavor. You're right. No. Uh, so I'll hop up with my connection. I, I So I forgot about the Russell Crowe Man of Steel connection. It would have helped me. I was trying to take a certain route, and I couldn't get there, and I hit a dead end. And knowing this, I'm going to keep that in mind for future. So I had to do some of my fallbacks. I wanted to do M.M. at Walsh because you're absolutely right, littered with total supporting characters. Yeah. I, ha- I have another one that I, I, I saved in case Eric found it. I don't know if he did, but I, there's another connection that can get to one of Eric's favorite movies. Uh, I'll highlight it if Eric doesn't doesn't bring it up. But I went M.M. at Walsh to Blade Runner. You know, nice. one of my favorite films, Blade Runner. It's great. Yes. Um, so good. Who is he in Blade Runner? I can't remember he, which side character the, he is. He's the... He's the um, He's the boss. He's the, he's oh, the one who gives the assignment right. at the beginning. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he runs the Blade Runners. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's in there. He's in a bunch of other stuff. But I, and with that, I, I tried to go the route of the jerk. He's also in the jerk. But I, I got that got a lot tougher. <laughs> Bernadette Peters didn't help me out, and I was trying to avoid Steve Martin. But um, so anyway, I'm at Wall Blade Runner with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's in Patriot Games. <laughs> uh, James Earl Jones in that movie, and I'm bringing it back. It's, it's I guess my favorite go-to in this is, is Sneakers. James Earl Jones is in, in Sneakers, um, and I, I've already at this point. Timothy Busfield, I think, is the is the guy. Um, yeah, from Field of Dreams, who's in Sneakers. So, mm. doing it that way. Yeah, love, Sneak- love the Sneakers. Sneakers is a great one. That's a that's another one that people just don't really remember very much. It's one we have to do at some point because Eric and I both have fond memories of it. And it just seems to be completely lost in time, but it's one I saw as a kid. It's on one of the loved. streamers now, I think. I think it's on like HBO Max or something. Yeah, no, it's a that's a great. I think that's the first time I remember seeing David Strathairn in something, and I literally thought he was actually blind. Like I think he did such a good job in that movie. I was like, oh, this is actually a blind character. And then you saw him in something else. I'm like, oh no, he's not blind. Okay. I was like, hey, it's the blind guy from Sneakers, but no, he's not blind. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if I did the connection you were hoping for, Ben. So I picked my girl Dana Wheeler-Nicholson. She (laughs) plays uh, Fletch's love interest in this movie. She's in one of my all-time favorite movies, Tombstone. Yes, that's exactly what it is. I saw her connection. I'm like, I'm going to leave Tombstone alone. I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to let her have it. They do her dirty in Tombstone, though. She's just like on uh, opium the whole time. It's it's not great. (laughs) but I love that movie. I'm so glad. Yeah. That's exactly what it has. Like, nope. Leave, One of my favorites. I got a poster of it right here. Um, uh, Sam Elliott's in Tombstone. Great mustache, Sam Elliott. He he's in A All Star time. is Born, the, the newer one. Um, <laughs> he's great in that. The scene where he's driving away crying is all-time yeah. stuff. Uh, Alec Baldwin's actually in A Star is Born. I think he's like the SNL host when Lady Gaga's yeah. goes to SNL. Okay. And he's in the Hunt for Red October, and James Earl Jones is in that, and he's in Field of Dreams. So. Yeah, that's how I did that. Yeah, James Earl Jones is the easy one to get get a connection into because man, that man's been in you know everything too. Yeah, oddly but, we haven't used Lion King yet, have we? 
I don't not really because I mean I think of the other people in Lion King I just forget about them. I mean there's you know like Nathan Lane and uh, Matthew Broderick and uh, Jeremy Irons. Yeah, there's Jeremy Irons, but then and then that's it. I mean Jonathan Taylor Thomas is the kid Simba. That's true. They're, they're, you're right. There's not a lot of celebrities in that that I yeah that that I that I would use that I that would think to use. But is is James Earl Jones in the the Disney like live action remake? Does he get a bit part in there somewhere? I he, think I did. I think he did the voice again. Yeah, that's what I, I thought too. I think so. I, okay. I don't want to remember that op- the yeah, live that, action. Well, yeah, I, I saw it with my wife, and it was like, why did we see, why did we do this? This was really yeah, it's, I don't get I, it's it's why. the same movie. It's the exact it's, same movie. Yeah, a mistake. I don't know why we did this. Waste yeah. of time. That's um, one of those depressing money grab things. You're like, they're really just screwing with us now, right? They just they're putting this yeah. out there, knowing that'll well, make like, money. Like, how can you call it a live action movie when they're like when everything was computer generated you know that was the one of the big questions about that movie was like you know yeah okay yeah you're technically but technically not you know so all right well ready to do some trivia let's do it so uh next week we have have another special guest um joining us he picked a movie uh for next week and we'll do some trivia questions Uh, damon feel free to jump in it'll be basically five questions for this movie and um, we usually kind of do if you get a guess, you're out. But whatever, just if if you got guesses, <laughs> just throw it out there. These are pretty loose rules. Uh, there's no yeah. consequences yeah. for violating yeah. them. We don't enforce them at all. <laughs> all right. So clue number one. Uh, this movie was released in 1987. Okay. So that narrows it down. <clears throat> Not giving you a ton of information there. Uh, clue number two. Uh, it's directed by an Oscar-winning director, and it was this person's directorial debut. The first movie by this director. Okay. Uh, Clue number three. Tangerine Dream did the soundtrack for this movie. Okay. It's going to piss me off when I find out what it is. Go ahead. All right. Clue number four. So two more clues. Uh, The movie features Bill Paxson and Lance Hendrickson. Ah, I know. Near Dark. Near Dark is correct. That is correct. Um, this actually, so- not actually I- not Catherine Bigelow's directorial debut, though. Oh, really? He did a movie called The Loveless before that with Willem Dafoe. Okay. Yeah, it's a biker movie. All right. But yeah, but close, close to it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the last clue is just the follows a young man in a small Oklahoma town who's become uh, involved with a family of nomadic American vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so. another one of my all-time favorites. So okay. uh, this movie had been lost. Like, it was inaccessible for a very long time. You couldn't stream it anywhere. You couldn't rent it. Yeah. It, it has just recently gone up on Shutter, I think. So they did some deal so you can get it now on Shutter. Nice. Yeah. No, I've got, I've got a physical copy. Yeah. Right. It's probably right there. <laughs> on that show. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, there it is, right there. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna trust you. I cannot verify that he actually has it, folks, but I'm gonna assume he's not lying. Here, I'll pull it out of the shelf. There you go. There it is. Oh, it's there a nice, yeah, reflective yeah, nice. cover. Yeah, it's just a uh, just DVD though, so I don't think this has ever been really put on um, Blu-ray yet. Okay. Because you're right. I think it's one of those that's got a lot of rights problems. Sure. Probably, you know, a lot of it's usually music, right? Where they can't get yeah, the music well, rights. And... It seems to be with Tangerine Dream because, like, that's one of the reasons um, um, Michael Mann's The Keep um, is difficult to find. It's one of the one of the reasons, another one of the rights reasons. I think there's several on both of these movies that 
but yeah, part of it is it just seems like Tangerine Dream doing the music for your movie was, you know, while it's cool music, probably a bad plan if you want to like release it on any platform. <laughs> yeah. I know people have always said, if you're like a young filmmaker, don't try to put some Beatles song in your movie. Like, <laughs> you're going to cost you a bazillion dollars. You're never going to be able to like make it that way. Like, yeah. Just scratch that idea. All right. I'm excited. I've never seen your dark. So this will be, this will be a first time viewing for me. Nice. Me too. I, didn't I, see look, I look forward to, to listening to that episode just to hear what you guys, what you guys think. So do you, any closing thoughts on Fletch? Any kind of last yeah. words, final words for you, just find it and watch it. Damn it. <laughs> don't, don't let this movie go Preach. into obscurity. Preach. Well, hopefully with the your reboot, there'll be a resurgence of yeah, this movie. I'm, uh, I'm so hoping. You, you mentioned the sequel. Is it? Should we check that out? I haven't seen Flesh. Flesh Lives is what it's called, right? It's it's okay. I mean, if you're not big, Chevy, <laughs> hey, you're not being not big Chevy Chase fans. I'm not really sure I can recommend it because uh, it it's it's all about he inherits. Um, and when you're talking about like, oh, this was what was funny back in the day. Uh, he inherits an antebellum mansion from a. Uh, from a relative and moves to the South, quits his job at the paper and moves to the South and even has this whole sequence uh, with combined with animation that where he's imagines himself as the sharecropper the, with the Colonel Ooh. Sanders outfit and the hat singing zippity doodah. Hmm. So yeah, that one's yep. a little, yeah, that one's a little bit. Uh, I'm pre cringing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A little bit cringy. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, like I said, it's, it's okay. It's not, uh, I, I probably, I don't think I've even seen it since it was in theaters back in, I think that would have been like 89 or 90, maybe 88 yeah. somewhere in there. But yeah, no, it, like so I said, to say it's not like, as good. Yeah, not as good. good. Not definitely not as good. Um, and it, like I said, they couldn't do, uh, um, uh, cause in the books, uh, he just takes the money and runs. And in the, in that uh, in the first book, he just you know because Stanwick gets shot from outside the windows, and um, as he's dying, he you know he tells Stanwick like it's probably because the it was probably the police chief, and he probably thought you were me, and so he just mails off the letter to his editor to with the story, and takes the suitcases of cash and flies. I think goes down to Rio sure. uh, the first time, uh, so. But yeah, so yeah, so I'm really hoping that uh, that they um, they do a good job with Confess Fletch and um, and it does create another research and people are like, oh, this was an other, uh, this was another movie before this. So yeah, so just find it and watch it. Damn it. <laughs> we'll do. All right. Yeah. And anything else you want to plug? Take the take the take the floor. Anything you want to promote? Um, just um, like I said, you can uh, you can read my reviews um, most most weeks. Um, but yeah, find my reviews at uh, yeah, kcci.com. You can just search my name. Um, uh, I also have a uh, like I said, I got a Facebook page for my reviews. Uh, um, it's just Damon Fudge, film critic and writer, is the title of the page. Uh, so if you want to go like there, I'll, I post the links to my reviews. Mm, excuse me, I post the links there as well. So. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. For the social media, I just mostly I just except uh, except for my personal Facebook page, mostly I just promote myself and my sure. writing. I also ha- I do also uh, I can pr- do promote I do also have a website just damonfudge.com. Real difficult. Um, uh, and on there I put up uh, I write 
um, uh, stories in my spare time. And so a bunch of my short stories are up there, plus uh, broken up into chunks. I actually, you know, like everybody talked about, oh, I'm going to, you know, during this COVID lockdown, I'm going to write a novel. Well, I actually did. So and then there's a book there, too. It's a thriller about a man who finds out that the his best friends uh, who died a year earlier in a fire uh, may still be alive. Uh, it's called Flames. Um, so, yeah, you can check that out in any of my other stories. And always, I'm always interested in any kind of creative criticism, whether you like, to, like something or not. Let me know. Well, huge thanks for joining. We really appreciate it. Well, huge, so, huge thanks for having me, man. This is fun. Um, well, that's it. That's all we got for this week. Appreciate it again for joining. Check all your stuff out and uh, take it easy. Yeah, thanks, guys.